0: Psalm 86 is a prayer. In fact, it says that right under there, a prayer of David. And in just a second, I'm going to read through Psalm 86. And as I read it, I want you to pay attention to something. Pay attention to how God-saturated it is. Pay attention to the names of God in here. In fact, there are, God is specifically mentioned by name, Lord or God, Uh, the original language, Elohim, Jehovah, or Adonai, uh, 16 times. There's 17 verses and 16 times God is mentioned by name. Not only by name, but he's referenced you, your, a lot more than that as well. This, This is a prayer that is saturated, like David's focus on God. At the same time as I read it, also pay attention to the personal focus. David, personally, is going before his God. the God of the universe, creator, all-powerful. God who knows him and cares for him. It's a personal psalm. It's a God-saturated psalm. Psalm 86. Bow down your ear, O Lord. Hear me. For I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am holy. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I cry to you all day long. Rejoice the soul of your servant, for you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive, and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. And attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble I will call upon you, for you will answer me. Among the gods there is none like you, O Lord, nor are there any works like your works. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. And I will glorify your name forevermore. For great is your mercy toward me. And you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, the proud have risen against me. And a mob of violent men have sought my life and have not set you before them. But you, O oh Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. Who so turn to me and have mercy on me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign for good that those who hate me may see it and be ashamed. Because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. As I mentioned, Psalm 86 is a prayer. It's a powerful prayer. It's a challenging prayer. Even as we see as we'll work our way through that this evening. As a prayer, it's it's difficult to kind of divide it up into sections because it's just one flowing thought as David is pouring out his heart to God. In fact, one neat thing that uh, one of the commentators I looked at, W. Graham Scroge, mentioned this. This prayer is a mosaic of fragments from other psalms and scriptures. In fact, there's about 20 other psalms that are laid under contribution. And there are thoughts from Exodus, Deuteronomy, and Isaiah, and Jeremiah. From this fact, we may learn that the virtue and value of prayers do not consist necessarily in their originality, provided they are genuine expressions of the heart that offers them. David's prayer here, as he pours out his heart to the Lord, it is not necessarily original with him. These are promises, they are thoughts, they are realities of who God is, taken from all across Scripture, that David clings to as he pours out his heart to God. First thing you see is starting in verse 1, Bow down your ear, O Lord. Hear me, for I am poor and needy. From the very beginning, there's a, a confession of humility. I am poor and needy. You are great. You are high and lifted up. So bow down to me. Come down to my level so that you can hear me. Come, Lord, and hear me. It's it's as if a a child who who pulls on the the elbow of their parent trying to get them to lean down so they can hear. Listen to me. At the very beginning here, it's a confession of both need and I am poor and needy, and that God is able to meet his need. Prayer flows from faith. You don't pray to God if you don't believe that he can do anything about it, if you believe that he is powerless. David believes that his God cares, his God hears, his God is powerful. So he pours out his heart. Preserve my life, for I am holy That word holy there, David is not saying, listen to me, God, because I deserve to be listened to. Because I myself am worthy. The idea is there is rather, I am innocent, I am righteous. In this moment, there is nothing that would hold me back from coming before you in prayer. There is nothing that would come between us. He's identifying himself with God. I am yours. Therefore, preserve my life. You are my God. Again, that personal nature. It's an intensely personal prayer. David is not just praying generally to God. May your will be done. It is personal. See my need. Meet my need. Hear my prayer. Because you are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Be merciful to me, O Lord. For I cry to you all day long. All day long. We could learn from David's persistence. How quickly we give up in prayer. How many times have you told someone, I'm praying for you. But you've really only prayed once maybe. Be persistent in prayer. Just this week, Avery, uh, Julia, uh, Krista's sister, had come over and and got the kids some balloons and they were playing with it and Avery's balloon popped the first two minutes that she had it. And she was frustrated and she was crying and, and Julia just kind of mentioned, oh, that's okay, we can get you another one. Well, despite all the tears and crying, Avery heard that little promise and she clung to that in everyday since, that she she's not let that go can i get my balloon today today can we get it can we go get it today mom when's julia gonna and you gonna come and get me and take me to get my balloon it's constant it's incessant it's persistent it's annoying and so today she got her balloon be persistent in prayer All day long I cry to you. Rejoice the soul of your servant. Bring me joy again. Restore to me the joy of my salvation, as David says elsewhere in the psalm. Recognizing that God is the source of true joy. For you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive It's a reality we see all across scripture that God is a God who loves to forgive. That God is good. That's what David's clinging to here. This reality of who God is. God, this is who you are. You are good. You are ready to forgive. You hear my prayer. You are merciful. Abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you, anyone and everyone who calls upon God. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Attend to the voice of my supplications in the day of my trouble. I will call to you, for you will answer me. Hear me and respond to me, and there's faith here that God will respond. In the day of my trouble, I will call to you. Why? Because you are God and you will answer me. It is David's faith that gives way to his persistence. He doesn't cry to the Lord in some just Hail Mary last day ditch effort that that maybe God will answer. It's because he knows that God will answer. He knows that God will hear his prayer. He knows that God cares for him. Among the gods, there is none like you, O Lord. Nor are there any works like your works. God is unique. David doesn't run to the other gods. He doesn't go anywhere else because there's nowhere else to go. God stands alone. He is unique. He is above everyone else. (coughs) In fact, verse 9 All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. All nations. There will be a day when all nations will bow before this great God. When all nations will confess His holiness, His uniqueness, who He is. There's no point in going anywhere else. It is God alone who can hear and answer my prayer. For you are great. You do wondrous things. You alone are God. There's no one else. So teach me your ways, O Lord. Teach me. I want to know. I want to learn. Teach me and I will walk in your truth. I will take these things that I've learned and I will apply them to my life. I will live according to that truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Unite my heart. Unite my heart with truth. My head and my heart, both working together. So often, I think we find ourselves where your heart wants to believe, but your head's kind of questioning everything that's going on. Your eyes see the circumstances around you, and and it's hard to believe. David's praying, Lord, bring it all together. Unite me in faith. Give me faith. Without doubt, free me from all doubt, from all fear. Unite my heart to trust you, to fear your name, to believe in you. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forevermore. Why? For great is your mercy towards me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. There's not necessarily an answer to his prayer at the very beginning, He's he's crying out to the Lord uh, to deliver him, to, to save him. It's just a general, you have done this in the past. I have known you to be faithful. I have known you to deliver me. This is who you are. And you will do it again because this is who you are. You are a God of mercy. You are a God who loves to forgive. You're a God of grace. You are God Almighty. You stand unique among all other powers. It is you alone to whom all nations will one day bow. O God, the proud have risen up against me. This is somewhat of David's situation. A mob of violent men have sought my life and have not set you before them. But again... Even in the midst of these circumstances, these men who have risen up against David, this this violent mob who's come against him, who who don't fear the Lord, even in this situation, David finds his comfort in the reality of who his God is. But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. The character of David's God gives hope to the circumstances of David's life. This is who you are. Oh, turn to me and have mercy on me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your, of your maidservant. Lord, see me and act on my behalf. Respond to my prayers, to my pleas. Show me a sign for good. Remind me of my hope. That those who hate me may see it and be ashamed. Because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Even as you read this psalm, you can almost just feel the emotion as David is pouring out his heart to God. This is my situation, but this is who you are. It's in you that I trust. The God of Psalm 86, this is the language that David uses throughout this Psalm. He's a personal God. He's a merciful God. He's a God who gives joy. He's a good God, he's ready to forgive. He's tuned to the prayers of his people He stands unique. He is triumphant. He is great. He does wondrous things. He's a deliverer. He's full of compassion. He's gracious. He's long suffering. He's true. He is strong. He is a helper. He is a comforter. And therefore, David has hope. Because this is who his God is. This is where his hope lies. Our problem is not that we think too much of God, but too little. Our problem is that we get distracted by our circumstances rather than focusing on who our God is, the promises that he has given us. I was thinking even this afternoon as I was studying and going over this, I was thinking, you know, a lot of these Psalms, as we're going through the Psalms, Sometimes I almost feel like I'm repeating myself week after week after week. Look who God is. Look who God is. Don't look to your circumstances. Look who God is. That could almost be a song. <laughs> but as you, as you come to this, the reality is that we need that reminder. We need that reminder day in and day out. Wednesday stands right in the middle between Sunday and Sunday. And Sunday we had an awesome day. And then Monday, we failed. Tuesday, we forgot. Today, maybe lost hope. We need this reminder. Specifically, I need this reminder in prayer. As I come to this psalm, I'm challenged in my own prayer life and faith. David is pouring out his heart to God. He is vulnerable. He doesn't hold back. How often can I say that my prayers are like that? I know the truth, and yet so often my prayers are timid and apologetic, as if I'm a nuisance to the God who tells me to come and who knows me, I don't think I'm alone in that. In fact, as I was meditating on this this afternoon, I feel like... like almost as if we approach life as as accidental deists. Yes, God is real. And yes, he's out there somewhere. But so often we fail to see that he's not just there, he is at work. He is intimately involved in your life. We live as if he's not concerned with me, that he is at, at best minimally at work in the world. But he's not. He is intimately at work at work in the world and in your life. He is orchestrating all the minute details for your good and for his glory. That's what David understood here as he pours out his heart to God. That God is not aloof. It's not that God doesn't care. It's not that he, you know, set me on this path and he set me in uh, as king and then he stepped back and said, "All right, do it. I'm watching." But he is here, he is involved, he is working. What if we prayed with real faith? Yes, submitting our wills to God and to his will as we should. But not just going through the motions, God, do this, but believing that God can do this. As we pray for Bill McGreen. Not just throwing it out there. Heal him, Lord. But believing that God can heal him if he wants. Not because the power is in me or because I'm special. But because God can do that. Not just a general confession that, yes, it's possible. But real faith that leads to vulnerable prayers. Even as I was studying this psalm this afternoon, I was, I was left convicted over my lack of vulnerable prayers. And what I mean by that are, are, are prayers where you're specifically asking God to do, not just generally saying, your will be done, but you're specifically asking God to do something. I think we're scared to pray those prayers because we're scared with, well, what if God doesn't answer it the way that I want it answered? Then how do I deal with that? you believe that it was for your good and for his glory and you pray again. Prayers that cling to the promises of God and actually expect God to do what he has promised. David prays this prayer because he actually believes that God will do what God has promised. God will deliver me because he has made a promise to me. David prays with a conviction that God sees and hears him. He believes that God really will answer his prayers, that God is active, even in the minute details of each day. Brothers and sisters, prayer is powerful because God is powerful and because God is at work. Do you believe that? As you pray, do you believe that? Do you pray with faith that if this is God's will, He can and will do that? One example is I, I often pray that the Lord would give us opportunities to go out and to, to make disciples. I think that's a good thing, that's what God tells us to do. But I'm scared to go as far, this is me confessing, I'm scared to go as far as say, Lord, fill this room. But why? Well, what if he doesn't do it? But that's a promise that he has made, that he will build his church. And maybe that doesn't mean that he's going to fill this specific room. But it doesn't mean that it's wrong for me to pray for God to make disciples and to bring people in and to grow this church both spiritually and numerically as the gospel goes forth and as we grow together in Christ. That is a prayer according to his will. And yes, it's kind of vulnerable and it puts us in a place where things might get kind of messy, (laughs) That's a prayer worth praying. It's a promise God has made that he will build his church. So may we with David pray vulnerable, God-saturated, promise-heavy, personally expectant prayers to the glory of God alone. As James says, we have not because we ask not. And your God is able to do far more abundantly than you could ask or think. So may God give us faith to pray vulnerable, faith-filled, promise, heavy, expectant prayers for his glory.